I mean, this is ridiculous. It's a radio show. It ain't a one-hour television spectacular. Sunday, July 27th, 2014, and this is Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. I'm Eric. And I'm Ted. I know you recognize this music, and it only means one thing. That glorious corona, that carnival of color on the horizon, is not only the rising sun, but also the dawn of another NFL season as training camps have opened. Oh, man, the chills just thinking about it. On another note, though, the NFL also made some news this week with a couple of conspicuous suspensions. Most notably was Ray Rice, suspended for two games for knocking out his girlfriend in an Atlantic City hotel and dragging her unconscious body out of the elevator. But at least his head coach stands behind him. That's, of course, because if you stand in front of him, you risk getting choked out, beat up, and or dragged around. <laughs> However, it seems the NFL has decided to attack the real problem. Marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. <laughs> the other suspension was slightly harsher. NFL's number one receiver last year, Josh Gordon, was also suspended, but this was for failing his second drug test for marijuana. We're not sure if it was a spliff, blunt, bong rip, pulling tubes, mm-hmm. hot knife hits, pinner, bomber, rinner, jay, jibber, cone bone, or if he packed a bowl. Mm. Of course, I wouldn't know much about that. Not really keen on the marijuana subculture. Of course you're not. Care to take a guess how long Mr. Jordan's suspension is? I don't know. I'm going to give you a hint. It's about eight times longer than Ray Rice's. <laughs> what are you talking about? A year. All right, so then this begs the question, is the NFL alienating its newest and fastest growing demographic? Female viewers? I think what the NFL's clearly trying to say here is that we don't need female viewers. Somebody's got to make the sandwiches for the games, right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> but on a much later note, oh, smooth. this week Tom Brady was talking to Teddy Bruschi and scoffed at the idea of playing only four more years, which, by the way, is how many years he has left on his contract. As the 37-year-old enters his 15th season in the NFL and his 14th as a starter. Now, here's a quick one for you. All right. When the Brady versus every other quarterback conversation comes up. As it always does. In the 12 seasons that he was at the helm, remember, he missed the 2008 season with the knee injury. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's New England Patriots have played in, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Eight AFC Championship wow. games, including the last three seasons. Wow. If they do it this year, that'll be four in a row. And, you know, when will Tom Brady bring back Vince's trophy to Foxborough? That's a good question. So now make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Eric and Ted ICS. Visit our website, ericandted.com, or check us out on Facebook at Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. So we're going to get the social started today. We're going to talk about Gordon. All right. Okay? We're not going to go after Ray Rice just yet. Now, we say a year for smoking marijuana, for testing positive. Yeah, okay. Okay, this is the second time. Last year, he got suspended two games. Okay? Okay. He, it's abundantly clear he's fully aware of the random testing. He knows the rules, knows that if he fails again, right. he, would, he could be facing a year suspension. One of the things that I think is uh, when you fail your first one, I think that the, there's like an automatic random, no warning, you can be tested at any time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But 
he also got arrested uh, in the offseason for uh, a DWI. Okay. So they're taking that into account as well. So although I don't want to make light of it, they did a year because that's what's in the rule books. You get, you know, it's for the second, oh. you know, second failed drug test. You know, you got a DWI. You know what? That's a year. He's challenging. He's meeting with the officials on October, on August 1st. But for now, he's suspended for a year. Okay. But that's not really the issue. I think that the issue here, the glaring problem that we're running into, is Ray Rice's suspension of two games. The iron fist of the NFL. So they... So the NFL is basically letting him off the hook. Is that a right hook or a left hook? Oh, so, <laughs> so gosh, so wrong. I'm just saying. No, so, no. Well, clearly, it's no, it, it's no hook at all. Apparently, because the NFL decided that two games was going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, how on earth does the NFL justify this? Please argue for the NFL, whether okay. you believe it or not. All right, argue that's for the a, NFL. That's a tall order you're giving me here. I, because yeah. it's ridiculous. You're making me a target. I am. Okay. All right. I'm not going to make you Stephen A. Smith on this one. He's <laughs> oh, a dumpster That what guy. A, Forget it. Oh my God! What a mook. All right. Immediately after the incident. Okay. Okay. No, again, this is on camera. All right, this isn't even speculation. I mean, this is on camera. The NFL has as much proof as they needed. Yeah. So this incident happened. This isn't an alleged incident. No, not an alleged incident. She marries him almost immediately after this happens. Now, is that, I could see through that the, to to keep the spouse from com- being compelled to yeah. testify yeah. against him. Yeah, yeah, she she had no interest in testifying against him. She marries him right after and she's she's fine with it. So she's standing behind him. She has no problem. So what makes the NFL responsible for his punishment, so to speak, if the woman he knocked out and dragged in an elevator could care less? Okay, first of all... Again, I'm making the argument because I have to. Okay, yeah, in in the point-counterpoint, and I know that you don't necessarily agree with the things that you have to say right there. But there's the argument. Okay. Here's the other side of this, okay? They have a code of conduct. The NFL players and the NFL Players Union, the NFL PA, every single solitary entity that governs the NFL and the players themselves have agreed that there is a code of conduct. And you're telling me that somewhere within this code of conduct, smacking a woman around and dragging her ostensibly lifeless body out of this elevator and not calling for the police, not calling for help. I don't care if she was the instigator. And apparently that's what it seems. Th- that's what just, sh- just to be clear, uh, the, the police have been called on her multiple times uh, for domestic I issues. I heard about that, yeah. Okay, so that's out there again. I'm not justifying people. Do not kill me. Yeah, no. Do, do the, not kill me. I'm just stating the facts. So the NFL, over the course of the last five years, let's, let's call this arc a five-year arc, Okay. Over the course of the last five years, there's been this proliferation into the household with fantasy football, number yeah, one. huge. Giant moneymaker. As you mentioned last week, uh, it's, it's a way for them to reach a whole new demographic of consumers. Now, I've been in leagues with wives and with 10-year-olds. With daughters, yeah. Daughters, you know. So the message that the NFL's sending here is, um, okay, you have minor transgressions with drugs or alcohol, and I'm not saying DUI is a minor transgression no, no, at all. No, no, of course. You can't, don't make light of it, however. No. 
comparably. And and don't and the first person that says apples and oranges to you, you should immediately stop talking to that person. Not worth it. They're not worth it because it's not apples and oranges. It's these men's livelihoods. And Josh Gordon's is completely compromised now. Okay, and well, he let his team down. Let, let's be clear again. We're not making excuses for Josh Gordon. He failed his first drug test. Failed his next drug test. Failed his team. Failed his coach. Failed his family. Failed the fans. Failed the city. Okay, I'm with it's you. It's true. I, I, Cleveland's trying to rebuild it. A movie <laughs> came out this year about the Cleveland Browns. Hey, Commissioner Goodell, uh, yeah. we got Costner. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, and, and uh, you know, drafted Johnny Manziel. They're trying to, to cultivate a winning environment, even if it's smoke and mirrors. They're trying to build something in Cleveland. And God knows Ohio needs something. Outside of Ohio State. And then he goes and, and continues to smoke pot, even though it's against the rules. And again, we're not arguing the validity of the rule and what should and shouldn't be. But the fact is, it's there. So he knew if he tested positive again, he could face up to a year suspension. He let a lot of people down. So you brought up a point here where you talked about the legal, the, the legal system versus where the NFL comes down. So the NFL can say, oh, well, there, there was the, he didn't go to jail for it. He, there wasn't this major conviction for... Um, uh, for domestic violence. He was married to the woman recently after. It looks like it was an isolated incident or whatever the NFL wants to say. So we read it as, as a two-game suspension. Going back to the marijuana use. That's exactly for, how they looked at it. Oh, okay, great. So going back to the marijuana use for a second. Let's say a player on the Denver Broncos that play in the state of Colorado. Which is totally legal to possess and smoke marijuana. Okay. So what if one of those players fails their drug test in the NFL? They're still facing a suspension. Exactly. And they're in a place where the court system is going to completely and totally ignore them. It's nothing. It's not against the law. It's not against the law. They don't care. So there goes the NFL's, well, the legal system already took care of it. You know, that, that argument's out the window now. Because if you're not going if, if to, if you're going to convict a guy or you're going to punish a guy for smoking a joint that plays in Washington State, the place for the Seahawks, or plays for the Denver Broncos, or frankly the New England Patriots in a, in a, because decriminalization. It's coming. Well, it's already decriminalized. It's been decriminalized. Now we're looking at making it legal. Yeah, and in, and in Massachusetts, police officers, state troopers have actually been uh, uh, told, uh, even if you smell pot, it's not, it's not worth, worth it. our time. It's not worth it. So, Again, it, not condoning smoking and driving. Stay safe, kids. <laughs> of course. And I don't even know if people do that. We don't know anything about We don't about know them. anything about the <laughs> marijuana subculture. <laughs> so, as... The NFL has gone and they've decided that the legal argument, okay, is what they're going to go with. Okay, great. Except that that's not been consistent all the way through their no. entire thread of their existence. Nope. I go back a little bit to, um, you know, when you and I started talking about this the other day. Um, and this is truly one of the things that's the genesis of Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. And kind of a little behind-the-scenes moment for hmm. everybody is, um, some, you know, we get the question a lot. Um, why, what's your ed game? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? Um, We've literally been having this conversation for, for about a years. decade, yeah. <laughs> and we figured we'd just put mics up in front of them. Yeah, by the time we're done with that conversation, we look, an hour has gone by. You know what? That's a show. Yeah, hey, hey. look. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a little capital behind this and, and get this going and let the masses hear it. So you are the masses. And, and we appreciate you. And we're Eric and Ted. <laughs> Again, I am Eric. <laughs> and I'm Ted. <laughs> so uh, you know, getting back to that, you know, when Eric and you, you and I were speaking earlier this week, uh, one of the things that we had talked about was... Um, the, the Black Sox 
Yes. And yeah, Sheila's Joe. And when the Chicago Black Sox and th- fixing the World Series and this the, the major transgression in all of sports, and still, uh, Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. Okay? Pete Awful. Rose is not in the Hall of Fame for gambling. It's the number one transgression in sports. Okay? Yes. Except, one of the things that people really don't know or don't remember is that every single player on the Chicago they White acquitted. Sox... They were exonerated. Uh, any entirely, wrongdoing. Okay? They by were, the courts. By the courts. And baseball still... Said, we don't care. We don't care. We know you that. did it. Yeah, we know you did it. You're done. I don't Everyone care what you're hitting, what you were hitting for the series, how many home runs you hit... That's it. Exactly. And so the precedent has been set nearly 100 years ago in professional sports in in America. You have to hold yourself as a multi-billion dollar corporation. Okay? The NFL made Filled with multi-millionaires. Yes. And multi-billionaire owners. Okay? You have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Okay? Your players have a higher standard of conduct. And when one violently beats a woman into unconsciousness. Knocks her out. And callously drags her out of the hotel elevator. And it's on film. And you're being tried in the court of public opinion. Instantly. Is giant in this, okay? Your reputation- well, if it was giant, if, if the court of public opinion was giant, wouldn't that say that it would have been more of a, than a two-game suspension? You would think so. There's been a big backlash here. There's, there's a growing backlash. I mean, I mean a, a man might lose his job, and I hope he does, Stephen A. Smith, for, and, and if anybody pays any attention at all, you, you already know him absolutely trying to put onus on the women in domestic abuse situations, and I- that they have culpability. And we're talking on national TV to a national audience to lots of women to... to as of the moment of this recording, it's awful. as of the moment of this recording, Stephen A. Smith announced today that he's leaving ESPN Radio to go to Mad Dog Radio and Sirius XM. Related? First shoe dropping? Maybe. Conspicuous timing on that? Possibly. Mm. He's a dumpster fire. Awful. I like to think in, in a civilized society that we've moved past the point where we continually have to, where this is okay. And where a guy like Stephen A. Smith sits behind a microphone and has a pulpit like he does. Huge pulpit. Their biggest ratings grabber on ESPN. Is ESPN is, first is take. first take. Yeah. And Skip Bayless arguing the other point. I like to think that we might have been going point-counterpoint on that show. It went beyond point-counterpoint. It did. It and did. when Stephen A. Smith hits Twitter to back up all his statements he makes... Tells me that it wasn't just a point counterpoint. He wasn't playing devil's advocate. He wasn't doing what you made me do just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. He believes the crap that was spewing out of his mouth. And this is the troubling direction that the NFL is taking. Now, there was a switch a little bit that one of the things that I kind of monitored during the course of the week as this story kind of started to take, take foot was as a sports fan... I'm going to see this story, okay? I'm going to see it on ESPN. I'm going to read about it on, on a website. You're going to see it on Deadspin. You're going to see it in the papers. It, exactly. Like places we regularly go as, as, as you know, sports consumers. Yep. Okay? That's what we are. And, and we consume sports. I'm not just talking about the dollar. Like we literally consume sports. We read about it. We watch it. Whatever. Now, it's the pop culture crossover. It's Ray Rice 
being on the Today Show the other day, and they showed the video at 9.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, on the Today Show. And when it makes that leap, okay, when it makes that crossover into the mainstream, that's when the NFL has, as I've said before, knocked Pandora's box off the table, and it's spilled out onto the floor. The NFL has a major problem. How do they fix this? I don't think there's any, any coming back from it. They've already handed down the suspension. It's not going to it's not going to increase. And clearly the team itself isn't going to impose their own discipline on Ray Rice. They feel the NFL did an adequate job. As you heard, you know, Harbaugh, he stands behind it. Two games he feels is is good enough for, for what has happened. I mean, when you look at I'm gonna use the swear word now. When you look at the N NCAA, okay? okay. They are so dysfunctional. Uh, However, when the proverbial shit hits the fan in the NCAA, whether it be with school sanctions, a player, what's the first thing that that school does? The school tries to soften the blow of NCAA sanctions by sanctioning themselves. Right. And there's always usually something on top of that anyhow. But the school takes action first and the NCAA takes a look at it. And if they feel it was adequate, okay. But usually it's a little something extra on there. And that's the NCAA. Those are, those, these are colleges. If this happened in college, if this happened at USC, this guy's suspended for the entire season. He might even be kicked out of school. But this happens in the NFL. Again, multi-billion dollar corporation. With consumers, young, old, male, female. There's and they no cultural feel that's, barrier. And, and, and yeah. that team doesn't step up. And say, you know what? That's fine oh, that the NFL mean, gave him two games. You mean the team that continually employed Ray Lewis? Ray Lewis. Okay. Yes. Ray Lewis. This team did, did nothing. They didn't, they didn't pose anything. They, they felt it was fine. Two games? Okay. That's fine. No problem. I got, well, I got a problem with that. What about their fans? Just sitting there as a female. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you're sitting there as a female <laughs> Baltimore Ravens fan. Mm-hmm. You're, again, like last week, you're buying the jerseys. You're going to games. You're getting the Sunday ticket. You're watching the games. Yeah, you you follow, you're following your fantasy team. And this is, this is what the organization and the NFL treats abusers. This is what they've decided to do. And that's okay. And they're still expected to consume and spend money and watch the product. How, how does the fan base feel about this? Well, you know, and again, this is where the double standard clicks in. And, and you flawlessly stepped right toward it um i probably won't miss 10 minutes of televised football this year right now that with two daughters and a wife in my own home um i don't have to like ray rice i don't have to like the way that any of this was handled but i acknowledge at the same time that it's a business mm-hmm. and so if the ravens and art model at the time cut ties with ray ray Lu- uh, uh ray lewis uh, after years ago yep. after ray lewis um clearly was either involved or witnessed a stabbing, mm-hmm. a, party a murder, yep. or a part of in some way. And by the way, Ray, it doesn't matter how many empty platitudes you speak about the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what you did. You know what you did. And so does God. And so does God. And you will never get away with it if there is an afterlife for you. And given that, if Art Modell says we can't have that kind of element on our team and cuts him, he's got a blue star on his helmet in three days. 
He's got a J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets logo on his helmet in two days. Yep. He's getting picked up instantly because that's the way it works. It's a business. NFL is very forgiving unless you're smoking weed. Unless you're smoking weed. Killing dogs in your own backyard? Come back after your prison sentence is over. Yep. Okay? Be witness to a murder during Super Bowl week? No problem. No problem. Come on back. Suit up. Suit up. You, take you a beat couple- your wife? Take a couple of games off. Relax. No problem. You take a couple of bong hits in your own living room. Get stepping. Take a walk. Eric and I will be back after this short break. Professional football in America is a special game. It sure is. A unique game. Played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Coming now, buddy. We on our horse. Pro football is a mirror of early America, reflecting toughness, courage, and self-denial. There he is. Just like Ray Rice. Whoa! Whoa! Good job! Good job! That's what America played. That cat really swings. Over Pirate 2, ready? 45 blast! 45 blast! With names like Dick Butkus. Is this fun or what? Serious, Coach Gruden. The game is wide open, not confined. X's and O's on a blackboard are translated into imagination on the field. The NFL and the power and the glory. It's coming, brother. It's here. Uh, it's here, man. It's I here. Guess I'm so excited. And welcome back to the Ice Cream Social. I'm Eric. And I'm still Ted. So this week, we're going to open up with a four-part series, starting with a breakdown of predictions of the AFC and NFC West, and ending with the AFC and NFC East. And we'll, of course, touch on the North and South on the way through. Right. These are bookends, brother. Bookends. <laughs> you know it. Okay. So, <laughs> NFC West. I mean, home of the Super Bowl champions. Rightful place to start. I'd say so. I'm going to start with giving you the way that the division is going to end this year. Okay. And it's going to be absolutely identical, 100% to the way that it ended last year. Seattle, number one. San Francisco, number two, also making the playoffs. Arizona, just missing the playoffs. And St. Louis, the best thing that they did, or the most notable thing that they've done so far in the entire offseason, was drafting Michael Sam. Right. Now, any indication that Seattle's letting up a little? Oh, absolutely not. Um, I mean, I don't know what's going on with, with Marshawn Lynch. But I feel that that's going to straighten itself out, and he'll be on the field week one, and he'll be beast mode. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about a little bit with this is, you know, during all of this, under normal circumstances, I kind of stand with players, particularly in the NFL, when it comes to contracts, because they're not guaranteed contracts. Okay. A lot of times they backload the contract, they give the guy some money up front, and then the last year of the contract can be a significant amount of money knowing full well that they're going to have the guy off the team by then. Seattle played this thing a little bit differently. And a couple of years ago, he's, he's in the middle of a four-year deal. They made a good-faith effort and gave Marshawn Lynch $17 million already. Then Jamal Charles goes in and signs that blockbuster deal, making him the highest-paid 
currently the highest played uh, running back in the NFL. Okay. Marshawn Lynch immediately says, mm, nope, I'm done. I'm going to hold out. With two more years left on his contract. Two more years left on his contract. That he signed. That he signed. Okay. Now, I get a little bit of going into the last year of your deal in the NFL. Yep. That, that's one of those yeah, Wanting to re-up, wanting that security. I get it. Yeah. He's and got you know, two years. Exactly. And he's got two years left, and he's already been paid $17 million. And coming off a Super Bowl championship. What on earth is he doing? What is he doing? And I, what's he trying to prove? I, I really don't understand this. Again, you say you normally shot with the players. I, I just don't get it in this situation. I don't either. Again, like you said, he's gotten paid. He just won a Super Bowl. He's got two years left on his deal that he signed, that he agreed to. And not for nothing, he's on his way down. He's, he, he's, he's going to be on his downslope. He's, he's not rising he's, anymore. He's 28 years old. And at the end but of his contract, he's taking about abuse for a twenty-year-old oh, running back, without a doubt. But th- then he hits that 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 magic number, where the genie basically goes back into Which the is bottle. Which is twenty-nine thirty. Uh, yeah. So he hits thirty. That's the end of his contract. And I think that he's trying to get some sort of measure of security after that. However, Seattle went out of their way to make sure that you were satisfied and taken care of way way up front. Yeah. Now, one of the things that he talked about or that came out about all of this, is that his main motivation outside of football is his philanthropic pursuits. Um, he puts a lot of money back into his community, his community center, and things and like that. He's not the only one. Certainly not the only one. And I don't see, though, how that plays so heavily into his decision-making. Here's one of the problems that Seattle's about to face, though. Every, by every indication, Marshawn Lynch is one of those men of conviction. In this case, might even be willing to cut off his nose to spite his face. He's willing to hold out. Again, and and it might not be related, but again, this is coming off winning the Super Bowl. What is he trying to prove there? Is that going to solidify the team? Is that going to help them make a run at a repeat? This is, this is where I'm at. What having- good will this come out of? Does he really think... That in the next couple of weeks, the Seahawks are just going to come in with this contract that's going to blow them away and keep them here another four years? Is that what he thinks is going to happen? I don't know. Because that's not going to happen. Let's be clear. Marshawn, I'm talking to you. That's not going to happen. What's going to happen is you will ultimately still end up reporting, but you will be underprepared. One, he'll be underprepared. Two, he'll be costing money out of pocket when the team starts finding him for missing practices. And now he's mandatory that he's there. Okay, and then number three, if he continue, apart from the fines, if you're not showing up, you're not going to be getting your preseason checks and your game checks. This yep. is it. Not a good look for Marshawn. <clears throat> Definitely not. However, you have seen in the past, although this does not appear to be the case, you have seen in the past a lot of veterans. Remember during the uh, Will Favre play, won't he? Yeah, Favre would wait. Well, he held that franchise hostage. Oh, I year in please. year out. When we get to, oh my God, when we get to Green Bay, we'll cover it. But one of the things that a lot of veteran players do is hold out or don't report until much later into training camp because... And I don't like it. I don't like it either, but we also don't play. So it, it, I can... They miss training camp, save a couple of miles on their tires, whatever. Which is fine. You're right, though. He's sure. coming in underprepared. That being said... Their biggest rival in all of football is also in the Northwest. Yep, just south of them. Just south in San Francisco, which is setting themselves up to be the next snake-bitten team. 
and and not being able to get over the hump, the hump that is the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are so far into the heads mm-hmm. of Coach Harbaugh. Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Crabtree. Again, Texas Tech. <laughs> Crabtree. Yep. Even Vernon I don't, Davis. Nah, I don't think he's in Vernon Davis's head. I don't know if anybody's in Vernon Davis's head. Vernon Davis yeah. may not even yeah, be. Yeah, he <laughs> might not even be in his head. He just goes out there and balls. But when you have everything that you've ever tried to do as a team and everything that you've built for keeps running into Seattle and they keep beating you. And then when they do, they serve it to you as the centerpiece next to another turducken. They literally shove it down your throat. Yep. They are so far into San Francisco's head. Seattle will, may even have a regular season split. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not to, not to say that they can't beat him in the regular season. You know, like you said, a split. They're Fine. not beating him in the playoffs. They are not getting through the playoffs. No. no. And because Seattle will be primed again for home, th- home field throughout. Absolutely. I, I mean, their home record alone, a 7-1 and one last year. On the I mean, road, and come two, on, right? and and before that they were eight and zero the season before at home. I th- that was his first home loss as a starter for Russell Wilson. Yes, and now I think we can agree that the NFC is mm-hmm, probably got better firepower right now than the AFC does. Firepower. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have better firepower overall. And Seattle went ten and two in their conference. That's pretty spectacular. Yep, four and two in division, six and two on the road, seven yeah. and one at home. <laughs> Very solid. Now, I know that in this conversation, we're pretty much neglecting Arizona and St. Louis. But in all seriousness, why bother even talking about them if they're not going to do anything? They're going to be another irrelevancy. They're going to go into the season. They're going to do their gold college try. They're going to do their level best. St. Louis, they have a solid, they have a strong young quarterback. He's still. Uh, they might improve from last year, 7 and 9. They might finish 8 and 8. I, I'm I fine with that. I mean, if you're a St. Louis fan, are you happy with an 8-8 eight and eight season at this point? You are. Why? Because when you look at the macro view of the NFC, and you see teams like, first of all, you know you're not winning your, your division, okay? You can take it out. Because even if Seattle doesn't win, San Francisco's going to, okay? So you know you're not winning division. Your hope is a wild card. So the wild card team, let's say New Orleans, you're going to get past New Orleans. You're I don't know if New Orleans is going to be the wild card team. But I mean, I mean, come on, they, they were wild card team last year. That was Carolina. You know, had one game over on them at twelve and four. They overachieved a little bit. I anticipate New Orleans winning their division. But again, that's okay. the South. We're going to be talking about them next week. Okay, but then if you have, if you're St. Louis, you are asking me if you're happy with it eight and eight. Yeah, because it, yes, because you get a one game improvement. You have, uh, Jeff Fisher is the head coach. You have a one-game improvement. You're, you're moving in the right direction. You're really not getting past Seattle in your own division. You're not getting past San Francisco in your own division. But then your competition for the wild-card spot starts to look like Carolina, New Orleans, Chicago. Even Arizona. Green Bay. A, a, strong, a potentially strong Detroit team. Um, Every year. Uh, God. Just, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> but then you do have a team like the Giants. Hmm. And you can't tell me that even though Atlanta finished 4-12, and that Atlanta wasn't a 4-12 and team. No, they, they, weren't, they weren't a 4-12 and team, just like uh, Houston isn't a one-win team. Yes. And so 
you as the St. Louis Rams, fine. Just keep trying to move forward. Two-win team, I'm sorry. A two-win team. You, you keep trying to go in the right direction. Arizona, boy, you are like that mid-tier team in Who's the NBA. Who's capable mm-hmm. in a bubble beating Seattle in a very close, low-scoring game mm-hmm. in San Francisco. In a bubble. Mm-hmm. But as far as... Anybody else in this division? There's not two wild card teams coming out this of the. This is pretty, NFC pretty, pretty clear, cut, dry. Seattle, San Francisco. That's what's who's getting out of that division. I believe it's going to be Seattle winning that division again. I do too. But again, I'm not going to argue if you had it the other way. No. But bottom line is both are going to be there in the playoffs, and San Francisco will lose. But let's take us to the St. Louis. I have a question. Okay. Yeah. St. Louis. Does Michael Michael Sam make the team? Unquestionably. Why? Because coming out of... Uh, I'm so sorry that that was the... I didn't mean that as a pun. Coming out of the draft, mm-hmm. okay, he was projected. If his if his sexual preference was not an issue... Wasn't he projected a third to six? He was a third or four. Conser- conservative, yeah. it was third yeah. to six rounder. Yeah. And he, and he goes seventh, what was it, second to last, a third to last pick, something like that? And not that far down, but yeah, you get I the mean, idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was really, really close at the end there. Yeah. Now, if his, if his sexual preference, sexual orientation isn't an issue, and the Tony Dungy yeah. potential, you know... Why are there so many ignorant people on TV no, when it comes to... That's ignorant. Uh, that's ignorance. The statements he made on national TV... And the stance he takes as a representative of the sport, a former coach, an analyst. Uh, it's coming from a place of ignorance. I th- he spoke his mind. Now, doesn't mean it's right. It, no, but he was honest about it. And, and if, you're looking, if I'm looking for anything from some of my analysts, I'm looking for a little bit of honesty. So Stephen A. So it's okay if Stephen A. believes the crap he was spewing. I can't change Stephen A.'s mind. Sure, no, I'm just saying. But you're okay with it. So you're okay with with I'm with, okay with what? What he used that that uh, uh, venue for to put out that that point of view. You were okay with it. What that he used? That I found public. it incredibly offensive. Sure, but then where does that start? Yeah, I, I think it's an offensive statement too. But what now? He needs to that. That's it now. That's it. Like so, Tony Dungy. You have a responsibility when you're, you're on TV and you have a venue. And you know what? You're not your own person. You're representing a company, a corporation, a league. No. Tony so Dungeon was just asked be a able question. To, no, no, no. Tony Dungeon was he's asked a question. He's a paid analyst. He's a paid analyst. Okay. He's getting paid. Oh, so, so because he's getting a paycheck. Yeah. He has to, oh, no, Don't he has open to, mouth and insert foot. Somebody asked him a question in a newspaper article. This wasn't on TV. It was a newspaper article. And the person said to him, would you have drafted Michael Sam? Do you know what the bottom line of that interview was and what his answer was? His answer, if you read between the lines a little bit, was, I'm a coach that wouldn't be capable of handling it. But then he came out and said that he would be a coach that could handle that distraction. He said that a few days ago. He said, just to be clear, I'd be able to handle that. Well, his initial statement was clearly indicative that he couldn't. Okay? Again, I'm just saying, he followed up with saying that he could. Fine. Stephen A. Smith... I don't care what Stephen A. Smith says. He's an ass. He's He's a dumpster fire. He's an idiot. He's a moron. There is no way in a civilized society that anybody has room to slap a woman around, even if she is, quote-unquote, provoking you. Okay? Oh, she asked for it. Mm. (laughs) To the moon, Alice. Yeah. To the floor, Alice. But 
does Stephen A. Right? Does Stephen A. Smith have a right to say that on on the air? Of course he does. Yeah, I just I okay. don't know, man. It, I don't know. It, it's a slippery slope. And 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 yeah, that you are on when you start purposefully censoring the things that these guys are saying in honest moments because they're getting a paycheck from ESPN. Yeah. They have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to to who? To the to the organization that's paying them and to the people that watch them. Okay, so do they have a responsibility to be truthful to those people? No. Really? No. Really? But really, do I care what your innermost feelings on, on, on men beating up women is? No, I don't care. But that I don't, was the topic I don't, of I don't conversation. freaking care. I don't care. That was the topic of conversation. I don't, I don't care if that was the topic. I'm sure there's lots of topics that you could ask me about that if I told you what was really going on inside my head wouldn't make it on the radio. That's, again, fine. No, it's not. The point is, is that he doesn't need to be censored at all based on his views. Okay. Well, screw his views. All right. Getting back to where we were and talking about... Well, we were pushing aside the NFC West because we're done with the NFC West. Bottom line on the NFC West, just go back to the 2013 yep. statistics. And repeat. And basically going to look yep. exactly Wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> White pants on pants. <laughs> <laughs> so the AFC West, my friend. Yeah. You got three teams. That made the playoffs last year, right? Okay. That made the playoffs. Three strong teams. Each one thinking they have what it takes to win the division. I think San Diego, San Diego and Kansas City thinking they could win the division. Mm, I don't think so. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be Denver. The fact that Denver had three losses is a little bit surprising to me. I think they're going to go 14-2 and two this year. Kansas City, I think, overachieved just a tad. I believe they finished at 10-6. and six. And San Diego, I believe, underachieved a little bit. I believe those two teams are going to finish at 10-6. and six. Kansas City, San Diego. And they are going to still, once again, get the last get those two wild card spots. Unless you see another competitor, but I don't. I'm going to read you the first three games on the Denver Broncos schedule. Okay? So this is going to be a win-win, loss-loss, win-loss-win. I'm going to calculate well, no, this. No, it, no, but I'm going yeah, to read I want to hear you. it. You have them going 14-2. and two. I do. The first three games of the season are the Colts. Win. Okay. Then the Chiefs. Win. And then at Seahawks. Loss. And then their bye week comes in. Really? They have the first bye week of the year. Oof. Now, you have them at 14-2 and two cold. You just, you just looked and went 13-3. and three, They're one win better. I'm chewing the leather on my foot right now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know about that. They come out of the gate it's an early okay, against Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. By the way, got a win last year. I don't think that's going to happen again. Understandable, but that's a tough game. Yeah, win, lose, or draw, game. it's a tough game. Then they're home against the Chiefs, another playoff team from last yeah, year. And again, yeah, and division rival. The Chiefs did beat them last year once. Okay. Okay, and I'm not even calling for a split, but okay. another very hard I, game. I understand where you're going with this. It is possible... That the Chiefs could start 0-3. It's entirely possible. Oh, you mean the, the Broncos could start 0-3? I'm sorry, Broncos. Oh, right. I'm sorry, I misspoke. That the Broncos <laughs> might end up 0-3. Because those are very three strong competitors. Because mm-hmm. I'm giving them a loss in Week 3 against the Seahawks. Okay. So okay. you have a 2-1 coming out of the you gate. You said they're playing in Seattle? They're playing in Seattle. That's what I thought. So, yes, I, I, I understand. The Colts, obviously, have shown that they can, they can beat them. Yep. The Chiefs have shown they can beat them. Both are still strong teams. 
and then having a bye week. That's tough. Now, that's tough. Coming out of the bye week, they're playing the Cardinals, followed by at the New York Jets. They're flying all the way back across the country. And then, home against the 49ers, home against the Chargers. Then, at New England. Okay? So, by week eight, they've already had their bye week. It's gone. They've played the Colts, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the The 49ers, the the Chargers, and the Patriots. Six playoff teams from last year. Yeah, throwing in the what's it? So the Jets and Jets and Cardinals are the other throw-ins that that those are those are W's. Correct. Now then you have Raiders, Rams, Dolphins at Chiefs again. Bills. At Where are they Chargers. playing the Dolphins? They playing. It the doesn't Dolph- matter. I know it doesn't. It's just I. I was kind of cute though. That was cute. Thanks. But the bottom line is, is that by week eight they've played six playoff teams and blown their bye. So wow, that's I mean I can't hmm, have someone gave at, it to them. Yeah, I can't have them at at three and thirteen again. Yeah, now well, that's tough. I can, I can, twelve and four. I got twelve you. and four. I got you. Okay. Now, I hadn't looked at their schedule, and that's a really tough go of it. Yeah, leading out of the mm-hmm. gate, that's a that is such an uphill climb. Now, I mean, they could go through it and, and come out three and zero. Oh. Uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. They the, very well could. They could, they could get to week eight against New England. Okay, yeah. at New and England, coming in at seven and one, and they could be coming in seven and one, six and two, no problem. Right? E, like, yeah, and but here's the other part of this. On the downside of the season, they close out Bills, Chargers, Bengals, Raiders. They go Bills, Chargers, Bengals, Raiders. That's the, that's how they finish the season, two at home, two on the road. Wow. Okay, And they finish at home against right, the so, Raiders. So, so it starts off tough, ends very softly. It ends in the grand scheme of things, yeah. like Very and, softly, they're landing on a whole bunch of feathers and pillows, and it's all going to be uh, I hate to nice. say that about the NFL, but yeah. But it's true. It's true. They start with a huge uphill <laughs> climb. Wherever they come out after week eight, week nine, is not where they're going to finish. So if they come out four and four, and all the punditry is, oh, what happened to the Broncos? What happened to the Broncos? Well, you know what happened to them? Somebody set them up with one of the most difficult schedules in NFL history yeah, yeah, to start yeah. a season. They with. front-loaded, yeah, they front-loaded their, their schedule with a, yeah, you know, a tough task. So given that, I have the Broncos in it, eleven and five, twelve and four. Okay, okay. but still, they win their division. Okay, so so you have Denver winning their division. I don't see how they can't. Okay. Kansas City, San Diego. Kansas City drops, San Diego jumps. Okay, so they swap. Mm-hmm. So San Diego, who people could say they underachieved 9-7, and seven, but we've seen what San Diego has done over the past decade. You know, they could surprise you at 12-4 and four and totally not surprise you at 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, so is 9-7 and seven underachieving, overachieving? I don't know. No, and I'm, are they and capable I'm, of going ten and six, eleven and five? Sure, absolutely. And and of that's course. the thing, you know, when you have Philip Rivers as your quarterback, like him or not, the bolo ties, the nine kids he's got, or whatever. Like this guy, he's the type of guy <laughs> and the type of competitor that you want running your team. Period. I I don't want so a, even on the field yelling at his players and making that face. Absolutely. And, okay. Absolutely. Right, I if I'm designing a quarterback, parts of Philip Rivers are in him. Okay. All right. And that attitude on the field might very well be it. I would rather have that than Eli Manning's boo boo phase. A gorge, fellas. You were supposed to run across the middle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he grabs his helmet. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oakland, thanks for playing. Yeah. Thanks thanks for contributing to the wins in the division. Yeah. And that's pretty much Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, awful road team. One and seven last year (sighs) on the road for Oakland and one and five in their division. I know. And it's just one of those things that, like, they mm-hmm. it, lost six in a row to end the season. Um, and you, you'd think that 
that Al Davis is rolling over in his grave so fast. Well, they got MGD, though. MJD. Yeah, but they're drinking Village. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they've really fallen off. Yeah, they, <laughs> they're drinking it up. They've already given up. They've already given up. Yeah, so, they got Maurice Jones-Drew this year. I mean, does he does he give any wins? Does he add to their 4-12 and season uh, of last year? Sure. The, does it make them even <clears throat> remotely a threat to challenge anybody in that division? Spoilers? If you go into the season with your expectation of being a spoiler, um, you've already lost. You know the, the, the promos. In the middle on, of the season, they were 4-6. and six. That's two games below 500. And for Oakland, is very good. That's what I'm talking That's about. It's fantastic. When you, people were actually talking about, do you recall, people were actually talking about Oakland saying, wow, they're playing pretty good. When you go, and then... When you go into a season as the spoiler, you've already lost. When, and Unfortunately, that's their lot for the foreseeable future. There's virtually nothing that they could do without dismantling the team and starting from scratch. And I, and then I, so they start from scratch. What do they do then? I, there's just nothing they can do. Yeah, only, until until Peyton retires, and and Philip Rivers limps away from his career. What can Oakland do? Virtually nothing. Okay, and and All right. they, like, is there a deal that they can make? They have Carlson Palmer over there playing quarterback. That's and uh, not Terrell gonna, Pryor. That's not going to last very long. No. Um, they have to decide what they're going to do and do it. Rather than, okay, well, we want to be a long bomb, deep threat team. Oh, no, no. Now we want to go we're get a pound. Now and we're pound. Gonna, yeah. But we want to have this really brutal, aggressive defense that blitzes. But now you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. Figure out what you want to do and do it. And stop changing coaches every two years. And stop changing quarterbacks every two years. And stop changing running backs every season. And f- get into a formula, try to put together an ownership group and a coaching staff that's going to be static, that's going to be there, and that's going to implement a plan. Give somebody a five-year plan. And then take them to L.A. And take them to L.A. And with that, Eric and I are going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few minutes with the top ten Patriots that never have to buy a beer in New England again. That sounds fun. Tapes rolling. Take one. Oh, that's called it. New England, the oh, Patriots God. and me. And it was the actual answer to the Super Bowl <laughs> shuffle, which was a hit. The Super oh, Bowl yeah. shuffle was actually hit. a hit. Big hit. And this is like, go check this thing out on, uh, on YouTube if you get a chance. It's called New England, the Patriots and me. And it's by <laughs> the most 80s studio band in history. But it's enjoy get, it. Yeah, enjoy it's it. Your enjoyment. It's there for your enjoyment. The internet will not let you down. All right, so Eric, uh, yes, welcome Ted. back to the Ice Cream Social. Uh, I am welcome, thank you. 
<laughs> Let's welcome everybody else. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm Ted. I'm still Eric. And you yeah, took my life. <laughs> All right, so right now we want to uh, get back into our weekly feature, and we only have a couple more teams to go, but right now we're going to talk about the 10 all-time New England Patriots that never have, have, to, have buy. to buy a beer in Boston. I can't. All right. Ted. Yeah. I'm going to throw it to you, buddy. I'm going straight off the top. There is one guy above all others. What, Tony Eason? I was going to go Craig James. Oh. But no, no, I. <laughs> but on that team. Yes. John Hanna. John Hanna. John Hanna is the number one guy on my list of Patriots that never have to buy a beer in this town again. Why, Ted? Tell the people about John Hanna. The single greatest offensive lineman in the history of the NFL. Period. End of story. Bar none. There was nothing on the offensive line he couldn't do. He was remarkably durable. He was a cornerstone on that team. I actually spent most of my football playing life wearing number 73 because of John Hanna. Sports Illustrated, Jinx, not for him. He still went out there and was a monster. Instant first ballot Hall of Famer, first Patriot member into the Hall of Fame. A million reasons. And he was with 1-15 in 15 teams, and he's with Super Bowl teams. Not the Super Bowl team. victory teams, but yes, the 1985 team, team. that inauspiciously, <laughs> inauspiciously exited the, uh, yes. the, the Superdome on that fateful day. But John Hanna, unquestionably. Okay. Number one on that, the list. That's a great start, Ted. Great Go start. All right. My, my, my guy. Number two. Again, so everybody's clear, I am a Miami Dolphins fan. Ooh. Okay. But one thing. <laughs> I love the yes. suspense. <laughs> but the, but the, one, the one guy that I still liked, even though being a Miami Dolphins fan, was Drew Bledsoe. Love it. Okay? Everything he gave to the team, helping make that team relevant in the 90s mm-hmm. and compete in the 90s, and his... Selflessness in a time where superstars mm-hmm. can be crabby little babies when they don't get their way. He was the ultimate team player when he got injured. Tom Brady came in, and when he was better and ready to come in, he didn't get his job back. Still helped Tom. Mm-hmm. Okay, mentored him. Remember those videos, uh, Tom? What's your favorite play right here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then of course we all know what he did. Um, in 2001, you know, in the en route to the Super Bowl. Yeah, when he came in in the AFC Championship game against Pittsburgh yep. and nailed it home. Yeah. If they do a movie on his life, that That's, movie that, ends. Yeah, that movie ends there. Right there. Um, they don't get to that Super Bowl, if not for Drew Bledsoe, Being in that one the, drive, yeah. coming off the bench cold and leading to that touchdown. Yeah. They don't make it to the Super Bowl. He never has to buy a beer in Boston again. One other thing about Drew Bledsoe, real quick. He was the first guy that I remember, um, instead of shooting your way out of town, um, he was the first guy that took out a, a full-page ad thanking the fans. Yeah, he and was now, a trailblazer in that. And now, now everybody, everybody does, does it. it. Yep. Now everybody yep, does it. Absolutely. Open letter to the fans. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And when he did that in the Globe that day. Um, Everybody went, wow, you know, good luck in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, he did not shoot his way and burn his bridges out of, out of uh, New uh, England. Out of New England. No, nope, yeah. absolutely not. And, and, a Washington not State. and you know what? People followed him. People secretly wished him luck 
when he was uh, over in Buffalo and even when he went over to Dallas. And he put up some good numbers in Buffalo, but still. So he's my number two guy on the list of all-time Patriots that never have to buy a beer in Boston again. Excellent, because right on that same, uh, on, on the heels of that, uh, we have an, a thing about the way guys play here, an attitude about the way guys have to play here. Yep. And no matter the, what the sport. No matter what the sport. The selflessness, the giving up of yourself for the team, uh, you know, putting the team in front of you, obviously, and never giving up, never quitting. It's that lunch pail. It's that Big Bad Bruins thing. It's that Trot Nixon thing. It's that one thread that runs through all of our athletes here. Nobody personified that like Troy Brown, number yep. three on the list. Yep. Troy Brown never has to buy a beer in this town again. Never. Absolutely. This guy, at, at, as, as his career tailed off. Yeah, went from a main part of that offense to a role player. To switching to defense. <laughs> hey, Troy. To the third down guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and did it and, and went all the way with it and didn't complain. Nothing. Ever. And he played cornerback. He played cornerback in. Are you kidding in, me? In the National Football League. Yep. At the with end no of his No experience. Career. And is famous for the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with the line We need more cumin. <laughs> <laughs> we need more cumin. <laughs> I throw it to you for four. All right. So. My number four guy. Oh. It's going to be... Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little torn. I, I because he's not... I mean, he's not a longtime Patriot. Okay. Okay? He came in, cleaned up his act, did what he was told. I think I know where you're going. And once again, helped New England win a championship. Okay? And that man is the troubled Corey Dillon. Oh, mm. totally yeah. got me by yep. surprise yep. on that yep. one. Yep. You know what? I'm going to put him on that I, list. I, I mean, he served his purpose. A lot of people doubted the Patriots and, 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 and picking him up said they were crazy. Everybody knows what he is and, and what they're going to get out of him. Uh-huh. And, yep, yeah, they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and you know what? With his help, a big part of that team. If you remember, you know, when we've had the conversation about throwing your gear, talk about another trailblazer. At the end of his last game in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, he took off all of his gear and started handing out the brand. LeBron James. Yeah, (laughs) LeBron did an a la Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So uh, I'm actually going to go right down that same. I'm going to follow you down that path with a guy who wasn't here for necessarily that long and was routinely called the dirtiest player in the NFL by other players in the NFL. But the Patriots do not win the Super Bowls in the aughts at the turn of the century without the skill, ferocity, and leadership of Rodney Harrison. Very good pick. Very good pick. The attitude, the swagger. He was a New England Patriots defense. That catch notwithstanding. The, yeah, David Tyree's catch, catch notwithstanding. notwithstanding. Yeah. And so I got Rodney Harrison closing out the, the fifth spot. So you have Rodney Harrison number five. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the semi-recently departed. Mm-hmm. Kind of not the easiest way out of town. Okay, a little bit jaded. Mm-hmm. Came from my favorite team. Mm. Which, when it happened, I was yelling. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you are giving your division rival this player? Because I knew what he was. Not to say that you know anybody could have predicted the the type of of numbers he was going to put up in New England, but I watched him play. 
Mm-hmm. Every chance I got, I had the ticket. I watched all the Dolphins I'm games. writing it down now. Go ahead. Wes Welka. Put yeah. him on the list. I will as soon as he retires. Because as long as he plays with Peyton Manning, who is the chief level of competition against Tom Brady, as far as the AFC goes, he can't stay on my list. Well, he's on the list because I put him there. So, so he's on our list. He's on the list. Now, with that, inauspicious exits, signing with other teams, playing with Peyton Manning. Number seven on my list. An undeniable, and I will say, move the beans out of the way and let Frank do the work. Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri is on my list at number seven. And this is unfortunate. This is an unfortunate turn of events, sir. <laughs> Why is that? Because it means somebody is going to be left off the list. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Adam Vinatieri is on the list. If forgetting about, I, I can't argue it. I mean, okay. Well, it, no on. kicker has made as many big game kicks as this guy. Regular season and playoffs. Regular season playoffs and literally won the Super Bowl. Yep. Like. Won the Super on his Bowl foot. on his foot on on twice. By yeah, the way, I know twice. So this guy earns the accolade of never having to buy a beer in Boston again. Who do you have at seven? Oh, at, no, at eight. 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 That'd I'm be sorry. Eight. Yep. <laughs> oh no! I'm going to put the man who saved the franchise. Okay. Who swooped in as a fan? As a season ticket holder, uh-huh. and prevented the Patriots from leaving Foxborough, leaving Massachusetts, mm-hmm. it's Bob Kraft. Yeah, I, I can never let that man buy a beer. No, nope. I mean, how could you? As a matter of, the, of course, the guy could buy Germany. And doesn't matter. It's yeah. not the point. It's not the just because he has the means doesn't mean he doesn't deserve the free beer. It's the gesture. Yep, and I'm with you. He had them. Uh, he saved them from Victor Kayem moving them to to uh, St. Louis. He saved them from going to Hartford, Connecticut. He did his absolute level best. Now, going on, there's an obvious, there's going to be an obvious omission. I want to make sure I mention this before we get to the end of the list, okay? Brady and Belichick. And I leave them off this list for now, unless you throw them in at your last spot, throw one of them in. But. Brady and Belichick don't come on the list for me yet. They can wait. Come that, on. You're not putting either one of them. I'm on not the putting list. either one of them on the list. Now you can go ahead and do one of them if you want, but I'm telling you now, I'm wrestling, wrestling with two names, but I'm gonna go with Teddy Bruschi. Okay, okay, okay. Now I'm going with Teddy Bruschi as a face of the organization kind of guy. Okay, a face of the organization kind of guy, and remember co- recovering from the stroke. He's a class guy in the community. He's doing a great job on ESPN. The interception return for a touchdown in the playoffs, the snow flying up, the snow confetti. There's so many memorable moments surrounding Teddy Bruschi, covered in mud, the toughest guy on the field. Definitely coming out of Arizona, not projected to be what he was for us at Patriots Hall of Fame. So, mm. you have number 10, and this is a difficult Yo, thing. I, I'm, I'm torn between three guys, and none of those three is Brady and Belichick. Okay. Not to say that we wouldn't buy them beers either. 
I got a couple of names, too, that are killing me not putting them on this list. And this is tough for me. Okay. I'm going to tell you my three names that I have. Okay. okay. It's Bruce Armstrong. It, it, absolutely. Andre Tippett. Mm-hmm. And Ben Coates. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> remember, I, I have Matt Light I still mean, floating Yeah, around. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, Joe Andruzzi. Uh, this is, doesn't uh, deserve to buy a beer. Mm, this is tough for me, man. Andre Tippett. It's, for me, it's down to Andre Tippett and Armstrong. Ben Coates is my also ran. Okay. So give me our last name and then validate the reason why he's on there. Boy. It's tough. I'm going to go with Andre Tippett. Okay. That's uh, fine. Andre Tippett. I was just a little bit more of a fan of his in the 80s. Uh, okay. So that, that to me, that, that's just tipping the scales. That's just tipping the scales to me. No particular rhyme or reason over the other. I'm going with Andre Tippett. Now, if anybody has anything that they want to add to our list of Patriots that never need to buy a beer, let's, let's make this a top 25 list if you need to. Because Remember, guys, on our website, there's a place for comments, believe it or not. Yep. And also, when you click on a podcast from our website, there's also another place to put comments, and you can like us, and you can follow us. Don't just listen and shut it off. Click a button, please. Hit us up on Twitter at Eric and Ted, ICS, and... Uh, www. Ericintent.com. Okay. So as we wind up tonight, uh, our program for today, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we mentioned is that this program is brought to you by the Cookie Monster and the letter Ah. No, do not pursue. Stay in the car. You're dating a faggot. <laughs> you motherfucker! God damn it! Stop it! That's an order! I just want a house. And a big important job. This sucker here is particularly nasty. I'm immeasurably flattered. My wife used to fart when she was nervous. Okay, Sam, will you please go wait in the car for me? The Bill's old partner's a guy from Newport. Billionaire with a heart Pardon me? Uh, Ruben K. Out of poker game in Omaha. I'll be your partner? You're into that car. Shreveport. You stayed at the hotel like Charles. You should get a better job, huh? World needs plenty of bartenders. So why don't you order some more? Answer the doc. Welcome to the party. Dave's here. Hey, Sergeant Powers, how are you? How are you? How are you? You hop in the shower. Pull over. She's a doctor. He's remarkable! And you're stupid. Let me search my mind for a clever comeback. Who the fuck do you think you are? Our target is a major transaction of microprocessors. What did you do with the real microprocessors? Microprocessors. Because I love that dirty water. Oh, Boston, you're my home. I'll rip that nasty hair right out of your fucking head. Ma'am, I'm sorry to have to tell you, your son is fudging checks. It's really hard being a mother. Why don't you just tell him about the mother? The mother! You got the answers? So far, it's about $1.3 million. You're counting your money. And my guy's out there. Risking his life for a bunch of stupid fish. I 
grab a beer sometime. You take care. Later. Thanks for the beer.